Uh, if you've never heard my podcast before, welcome. Again, it is Christ Media Revival, uh, CMR. CMR, I like the initials because it sounds like SMR, but it's not. <laughs> and uh, I just hope you appreciate uh, me talking to you today. So today I want to talk about something that is in the public conscience. It is so widely talked about, so widely discussed, and so important at the same time. Uh, it's important, but at the same time, it's something that's kind of, I think, exaggerated in the way that it actually is detrimental. So everything that a certain that certain people are fighting for right now, and everything that Everyone who everyone who is trying to bring change uh, is is fighting this battle and kind of having this uh, kind of conflict with other people about different subjects. And so I'm being very vague. So let me get more specific. I'm talking about race relations in America. Now, if you think about it, I want I want you to think about this. Deeply, The first thing that I want you to consider is the fact that racism is nothing new. It's not new to America. It's not new to humankind. And so we have to remember that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, we have been dealing with racism. Now, if you think about it, I know I say that a lot. When we consider the fact that there are different races, we have to consider the fact that God created them. God created the different races. And if you don't believe in God, then your belief might, might be, just to play a devil's advocate, evolution. And evolution created or brought about these different races. And when you look at an evolutionary perspective, it actually does lend itself to the argument of, well, you know, my race evolved and we did all this before everyone else, so we're superior. Well, if you look at history, we see that uh, the Chinese were inventing things long before the Europeans were. Right, And so there's that. And then we have ancient people who had these concepts, who had these ideas, like the Egyptians and whatnot. Um, and then you have the biblical narrative, which is God. God established a lot of things in his people that were later adopted by other people. So God kind of set standards in regards to certain things. So uh, I know this is getting off the specific topic or like the specificity of, I don't even know if specificity is a word. It is now. But it's getting off of the, the pure topic of racism and it's getting off topic. But I digress. Let me digress for just a minute more. We have the Bible and there's actually a lot of mandates or you know covenant, um, commands in the Bible that tell us to... Uh, not do this, not do that, 
and to abstain from that, abstain from this. And a lot of it has to do with cleanliness. If you look at the way that the Bible talks about uh, these things and the, and the commands that he get, that God gives his people, he's really just saying, you know, don't eat the blood of animals because I know it's going to make you sick. You don't exactly understand the how or the why, and so you're going to do it out of ignorance, so hey, don't do that. And really, uh, man cannot take credit for a lot of the things that it's done because if you look historically, we know that there were Nephilim on the earth, giants, right? And whether you believe that it's you know biblical or not, there's skeletons of giants, right? And so we know that there were giants, and one of the things about this race of giants is they were advanced. And from a biblical perspective, they were the offsprings of the sons of God and the daughters of Eve. And so they were extremely smart. And so, uh, you know, they could have been the ones who built the pyramids, whatever. But when you look at race from a Christian create creationist standpoint, God created the races. And if God created the races, he did not make them superior to each other. That would not be fair. That would not, that would not be part of God's character. So if you think that, oh, you know, hey, uh, God's over here picking out chosen people and, uh, you know, making covenants with specific groups of people and uh, he's, he has favorites and he's, he's racist and, and whatnot. Because we have, a, uh, we have a professor here on campus that was part of the KKK. Um, you should hear his story. It's an amazing story. And it's really one of an amazing redemption and a work of God. And he leads the, or he led, sorry, he doesn't actually go here anymore. Uh, but he was in charge of kind of the racial diversity or racial um, awareness thing stuff going on on campus along with another professor. So one of the things that I'm trying to get at is we have this society of, we have people out there that believe that there are superior races. So I want to dispel that and say from a Christian standpoint, if you believe in a superior race, you are wrong. You're wrong. Uh, I don't, I'm taking a hard line on this because I know I can with a clear conscience. Like you will disagree. Everyone disagrees about something. Uh, but I know that this issue is so clear. It's so cut and dry. You know, in a perfect world, you do not have to give recognition to a specific group of people, highlighting it and highlighting their specific quality, um, you know, the specific qualities about these people or about them in any way or a specific difference that they have from other people. In a perfect world, you're not going to focus on these. But we have the, somehow we have this ability to highlight and, and focus on our differences, in a perfect world, you have people recognizing people for what they have, for what they have as people. Like you recognize that they that they're human, and that's it. Uh, 
And then we also kind of base maybe value on maybe what they produce or how they contribute to society. Um, they have to give to share to others, right? They're sharing in this, you know, experience called life. So far, so for anyone uh, who is upset or annoyed at uh, Black History Month or this recognition recognition of black people and their heritage and what and whatnot and in uh, black Americas and all the stuff you have to realize okay so I'm, I'm trying to read a script here I'm trying to read notes but let me let me clarify what that meant uh, basically that people who get annoyed at Black History Month and people get upset like that that, that that has to be highlighted well in a perfect society that is not something that has to be highlighted because it's so inclusive that that it's just normal it doesn't have to be highlighted now why do you highlight something I answer the question to make it stand out right because it's it's been caught in the rough it's been caught in the drift it's it's not standing out. It's no longer being recognized. And so the purpose or one of the purposes behind Black History Month is to just give credit and recognition to a people group that is ostracized or demoted or just kind of separate from majority. And in society, whenever you have a, a country or a group of people or you have like a community, whatever, uh, in this case, let's just talk about the country of America. Let's let's talk about America as a country. Uh, we have a majority that is, you know, ethnically European, and they're predominantly white, and you know, everyone's pale, and some people are pale, some people are really tan. But for the most people, you know, for the most part, we're all immigrants, and you know, we all came over at the same time, basically. Uh, our ancestors did. But for other groups of people, they've been here less long. They haven't been here as long. Uh, immigrants from other countries that are not Europe came over after Europeans, and they were not here as long. And so what happened was is we have a majority that's white and a minority of everything else. And that minority sometimes gets ostracized from society, it gets picked on by society, it gets separated by society, and the ostracization of a subculture is what creates the subculture's culture. Because there is a, a natural desire for people to integrate into the society that they live in. They want, they want to fit in. People don't want to stand out, not not ideally. Like, yeah, they want to be unique or they want to be, uh, you know, seen as an individual. But if everyone's wearing Nikes, then they're probably going to wear Nikes. And if everyone is riding a skateboard, they're going to want to ride a skateboard. If everyone's driving a, you know, a, a, I don't know, a, a jacked up truck, you know, a truck that's on you know been jacked up it's uh they're going to be driving this it's what culture perpetuates and then what happens is we have a, a dominant culture and then we have a co-culture right a dominant and then a co-culture culture try to say that five times fast but my point is is that we have a hard time with 
and, you know, accepting people. And when it, in regards to Black History Month, it's like, oh, well, why do they have to stand out? Like, why do we have to be reminded of this? Why do we have to engage in this? Because the answer is because this group is marginalized. It's suppressed. It's uh, under suppression. Now, you may not see that. Uh, directly, you may have never seen that directly. You don't know. You don't understand. You can't point to a case where that happened, where you saw it and you were witness to it. But just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? As Christians, we say we believe in a God we physically have not seen. He doesn't exist in physical form, at least not right now, right? Uh, or he, you know, he hasn't revealed himself in physical form since Jesus. And so we believe in a God who we can't see. Uh, and so the purpose of Black History Month is to highlight the group of people that are being marginalized and forgotten so that they may get recognition and so that they may experience uh, different advantages that, other, that the other people group have or, you know, experience as well. So let me adjust my microphone a tiny bit. I hope that doesn't make any noise on the radio. So uh, what am I trying to say? Well, let me, let me refer back to my notes here. Okay. So your idolized thought is different, right? Uh, we don't have white history month, so therefore you shouldn't have black history month. So that's the logic. We don't have white history month, we shouldn't have black history month. But the problem is, is that, well, white culture is all over the place, right? The dominant culture is all over the place. We don't need recognition, it's everywhere. Black culture, or the black people... They're not as widely, like, it's not, it's not a thing. I mean, what's the ratio of, you know, predominantly white cast, uh, cast members in a TV show versus a, a black cast in a TV show and whatnot? And then what kind of stereotypes are they attributed and what whatnot? And, you know, case and, you know, specific cases and examples where, okay, you're dealing with crime in an inner city in Detroit and you cast these characters as a specific people and they're doing, like, uh, they're, they're, bad guys, they're committing crimes, and they happen to be black. Well, that's a reflection of reality. That happens, right? So that's not a misrepresentation. But then what do we, are, is Hollywood inadvertently casting everyone that way and making that the constant narrative? Now, one of the things about culture is Again, the co-culture wants to be like the dominant culture, and then whenever they're rejected from the dominant culture or find rejection in any way, they create their own subculture. And so then that's where the clash happens. It's like this difference, and it's a dividing line, and we forget that they can be different from us. right? They Just because, and I was thinking about this the other day because I really discovered that there's so much, there's so many things that get, tied together that are really not connected and we connect them because we think that they connect and we make these these we jump to conclusions right so we if you see a, a person with big rims 
right? And and crazy color, like bright colors and whatnot, or you know, it's really flashy. I think I think um, I've seen a lot of people with these flashy vehicles. Uh, I think there's a uh, a stereotype out there that the person driving is going to be um, a POC, P- person of color, and when it, when they get out of the car. Uh, what's happening, or I've experienced this, so I've experienced someone doing this. So let me just paint you a picture. Big rims, brightly colored, uh, you know, bright green, kind of neon green like a highlighter, or bright bright pink or purple, and it's kind of jacked up off the ground, and it has these big rims, and uh, they cut, and sometimes they spin, and they're shiny, and it's flashy, and it gets your attention, and then maybe they're playing loud music, and it's, it's um, you know, it has a lot of bass, and uh, it gets your attention, and you also see that. Well, when we see that, I've, I've seen a person go, wow, that, that person is the N-word, and they've they've changed this vehicle to match who they are and that is they're an they're an n-word and so they've n-wordified if you catch my drift the vehicle and that is so detrimental because what happens is is there's a hypocriticalness that happens to this now this person is somewhat consistent in their offensive actions okay but for the most part when they said this they never said anything or okay so maybe they did but they didn't say it as frequently so let me give you a, a um an opposite example this person does not like uh the the flashy or the ridiculous or the it doesn't have a, a real life purpose or application so you have the person with the flashy car it's got the bright color it's got the spinny wheels uh the spinny rims it's, it's jacked up off the ground a little bit and it has this really uh booming bass whenever it plays music and they play it loud but then you go over here to redneckville and uh i mean i have respect for Right next, they they are who they are. So I'm trying not to be. I don't mean to be mean by calling them that, but that's that's what they are. Right? Okay. You have these these people. They're country people. Let's just be nicer and call them country people. You have them, and and they have their trucks, and their trucks are jacked up. Right? They're high up off the ground. They they're bulldogged, so they're higher in the front than they are in the back. Kind of like a kind of like a bullfrog. So I don't know if it's bullfrogged or bulldogged, but it's it's got that upper pitch and they have loud boom boom music and whatnot and they drive across the street and they have no muffler right so their their car is making this loud sound as they drive away and it's uh it's annoying and the person comments and is like why do they have to do that so annoying blah 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 but they don't get called a slur they don't get attributed a character of what they are or what type of person they are you know, by the person doing the judging. So, I mean, if you're going to be mean to people and you're going to be, you know, whatever, be consistent to everyone, at least. I'm saying I'm not saying you should, but hey, being consistent would be a little more fair. So what I'm trying to get at here is we judge people based off of their differences from us. And we don't realize that within culture, it creates a co-culture. Co-culture wants to be a part of the main uh, predominant, you know, main culture. But then they are rejected because of their differences that they can't change, skin color, 
And then they create a subculture, and then now that since that subculture has been created, now that subculture is different from the main culture, and then that's yet another sticking point where the main culture goes, oh, wow, you're different from me. I don't like you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to call you names. I'm going to call you slurs. I'm going to attribute character flaws to you. I'm going to consider you a criminal before you even act, you know, whatever. And there is an... an an attempt on this person's, on this person, um, from this person that I know, uh, to, at least in word, say that he is judging someone based on the content of their character and not the color of their skin, to quote Martin Luther King. But I've seen that person do the exact opposite. And I realize it now because what they used to say is, well, you can see. Like, you can see the big rims. You can see the neon colors. You can see the gold chains. You can see the gold teeth, the baggy pants. You're attributing character to all of those actions because someone misrepresented that, right? They could be a nice person, right? They could be a normal human being and they could work a nine to five job and that's just how they like to live their life. Why do you get to judge them and make that an issue and a difference that makes you live your life differently and treat them differently? Uh, Scripture has something to say about this. Scripture says, men judge the outside, but God looks at the heart we need to start judging people truly by the content of their character and not the color of their skin or their car or what they wear or how they dress or how they walk. It's not an indicator. It's a prejudice. It's a prejudgment. It's a, I'm going to profile you. Now, I give a caveat. The people who commit crimes and the people who do these things and and the people who get blamed and whatnot, they tend to all look the same. They tend to all maybe act similarly and have um, friendships with each other. No, they know each other. And some there are there are true real criminals out there who dress and act like these people. But the thing is, is now we are guilty of prejudice and prejudging. Now, I'm not saying that you can't look at someone and go, wow, I, I don't know, I feel uncomfortable because maybe they have a menacing look about them or they look like a cop and I'm afraid of police brutality or they... I don't know if they're staring at me or something. Like, there's things that people can do to make you physically uncomfortable, and that's legitimate. But if you're looking at them and going, wow, I don't, I don't like the way they dress, and so now I feel uncomfortable, stop it. Just stop it. Like, that's ridiculous. You, and there's caveats here. I, I want to recognize both sides. Yes, when you see someone walking down your street with a, a hood, you might... You're, you're naturally going to be uncomfortable right? You're with a hoodie, right? You're going to be uncomfortable because you don't know this person and you can't see their face and they are wearing... So I've, I've noticed this on campus and I'm not saying that people who are on campus do this to because they are criminals. Absolutely not. I actually 
believe quite the opposite. When someone wears a hoodie, it's because they don't want to be seen. Like, think about it. Anyone, anytime you've ever seen someone wear a hoodie, it's either because it's cold outside, uh, they... I was thinking of another reason. It's either cold outside or they don't want to be seen, basically. Right? Because what is the point of a, of a hood? It, it's, the hood on a jacket is meant to be put over your head because you get a lot of heat loss out of your head. It's going to keep you warm, and you don't want to be seen. Right? So that's the, the two reasons. You don't, you're cold or you don't want to be seen. And I've seen people do this. They put on the hood, and they walk to class, and they're literally just making a straight beeline or a straight shot and they don't want to be seen, they don't want to talk to anyone, they don't stop, they don't look around, they're just on a mission and they want to be invisible. This is why they wear a hood. This is, chances are, this is the same mentality that the people who are wearing the hood when they're walking down the street uh, is doing the same thing. Now, you can say that criminals have been known to put the hood over their head and then commit a crime because, okay, if I can conceal my identity, then when I commit this crime, no one will be able, able to identify me, and then I'll be good. And so then what happened was, is, you know, if it was a crime committed, all you could see maybe was their hands or their a, a part of their face, but you couldn't identify it. And now all you know is that person was had more melanin than you, and that's what you tell the cops. And now the cops go around looking for someone with a lot of melanin, and uh, you know maybe they peg the wrong person because now they have to racially profile. I don't blame the cops in that situation because all they have to go off of is the person was POC. They were black. And I think that the cops should you know, use their skills of observation. I think that they should. Uh, because if you watch, like, the TV show Psych, essentially what he's doing is he's picking up on the tiny, tiny details that the cops don't see because he's so hyper-aware and he's so hyper-sensitive to the tiniest details that he picks these things out and then he pretends to be psychic when he discovers clues and that's how he uh, gets paid and that's his job and that's what the show is about i'm expect i expect cops to try and you know use information that they have obviously but if they have very little to go off of then i would give them a break but i would say use your your skills of observation that's what you were trained for you're you're a cop you're supposed to be you know a detective in a sense even if that's not your rank or whatever you're still you're still a cop you're supposed to you know observe the scene of the crime or whatever um and, you know, it's difficult to handle a situation where a guy goes jogging and he just happens to be jogging when a crime is committed and then all the police see is this man jogging and they go after him. But I'm talking more specifically around people in general. We have this natural inclination to just judge the people around us. And we do all kinds of judgments not limited to race. Uh, we have these um, we have these these ideas that oh, if a person has glasses on there, you know that that was the stigma a long time ago. Now glasses is a fashion trend, so 
it's a fashion statement, so that's different. But um, we have social inequality where we judge other people based off of more than just skin color. And if we stop to realize that and try to limit those actions, when you're upset and you lash out at someone, you don't deserve, you know, to not get some kind of negative response like that. They're going to get upset that you're upset with them or that you're treating them harshly or whatever. But if someone gives you grace and is like, a calm word turns away wrath and whatnot, you're going to appreciate that. So extend that to someone else. If someone cuts you off in traffic. Someone cuts you off in line. Someone does something against you. You don't have to fight them to the death just because they skipped you in line. Life mean life is more than that. Life is doesn't have to be that petty. Uh, there was a man who got in a fist fight because someone held the door open for him, I believe. Yeah. So what is my point to all of this and, and what was the point of me reading my notes and whatnot? Well, I just want to give certain people recognition. I want to give people of color recognition. You are the ma- marginalized subgroup co-culture that wants to fit in, that wants to be a part of everyone else and wants to be a part of society, wants to be included, and then Hollywood misrepresents you, creates stereotypes. Uh, people believe what they hear. I was thinking about this yesterday. Uh, there's a there's a defense that comes up every time in regards to race and whatnot, and it's like, well, they make up 13% of the population, but they commit half the crimes. It's an FBI statistic. Well, here's the problem with that. If you believe everything that comes out of uh, FBI and government agent, you know, police or law enforcement agencies, and you don't think for a second that there's people in prison or jail who didn't commit a crime, you are a hypocrite because I saw someone that's very close to me get arrested for a crime that he did not know he was committing, and he got arrested, okay? He was innocent, and he fought that court case in court, defended himself, fought it legally, and was completely absolved of all charges, and it was wiped from his record. But he had to fight it in court. The difference here is is when he went to jail, everyone assumed he was guilty. It was broadcasted over the radio. uh, Local news got it and gave it over the radio, and I heard it, and my mom freaked out and, like, called the, well, she didn't freak out, but, like, she got upset, and she called the station and was like, hey, you know, print a retraction uh, because, or print an additional, like, follow this story up. Like, don't just leave it there because now you've branded my, my the person I'm related to um, a criminal. And so it's like, well, now, uh, now can you see? Like, take that as an example. Just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean it didn't happen to someone else. So what I'm saying is, is basically if an FBI statistic saying that they're committing half the crimes, you know that a percentage of that number is inaccurate. So don't quote that to me and expect me to just drop the issue after that statement has been made. Because you went to jail for, some, for a crime you did not 
legally because the court recognized it afterwards. They they recognized that he didn't that the person didn't commit it, and then they absolved him of the record. So they basically turned you know they just did a one eighty. They said, oh no, you didn't commit a crime. Sorry, you had to do the time. Uh, go on about your merry life. And you're telling me that that doesn't happen to the thirteen percent of the population. You mean to tell me that there isn't someone at the wrong place at the wrong time getting blamed for an act that they didn't commit, right? I had a friend, he was an honest guy, but he had a, had a bad influence as a friend, and that friend hid drugs in his car, and then he got pulled over one day for speeding, and then the cops searched the car and found the drugs, and he was blamed for it, and he had to go to court, and then he had to do some kind of community service to get the charges dropped and whatnot. That was a crime he did not commit. He did not know he had drugs in the car. His friend put him there. He was innocent, but he had to go to court and pay the time. He literally had to do community service work in order to be absolved of the crime. And so that's almost paying... You know, that's that's a price you have to pay for having bad friends. But the point is, is the cops did not define him as innocent. They defined him as guilty. And the only way that he could fight it was to make, kind of make up for it. He was, he was paying the cost of a crime that he didn't commit, that someone else did, that someone else should have been doing. His friends should have been doing the time, not him. So my point is, is that if we gonna if we're gonna quote FBI statistics and say, oh, thirteen percent of the population they commit half the crimes, we well, have to think about that that statistic, and you have to realize that that statistic is flawed because they're arresting people who are in the wrong place at the wrong time and who are being racially stereotyped and all of this. Now, I am by no means a lover. Or a hater of the police, and I'm by no means a lover of all actions and, and, you know, whatever, and anyone who gets arrested by the cop is automatically innocent. No. The cop had a reason to arrest you. cop had a reason to pull his gun. Was it a good reason? I don't know. Was it, a, was it an authentic, real reason? Should he have made a different decision? Maybe. I, 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 heard, I overheard a conversation where someone was saying, do you not have training? Like, do you did you not reach for your taser first? Like, do you always reach for your gun and prepare to use lethal force? Well, they're armed, and they're given that authority, and they have to exercise that. And most of the time, if someone... Actually, I'm not going to generalize like that. There's, there's cases where the reason they use lethal force is because they felt in fear for their life. And I think one of the most def- defensible situations is the one case, I can't remember the name, where the neighborhood watch guy followed a guy and then he ended up being like a 17-year-old and the media kind of betrayed him as this kid that was shot by an older man who wasn't even white, he was Hispanic. But there's, there's physical evidence of him at the hospital with a concussion and whatnot and a, a, a gashed head and whatnot. He pulled his firearm and he uh, stopped the person attacking him. And unfortunately, that ended that person's life. But that person was bashing his head down into the ground. That's legitimate. But when a man is laying on the ground 
handcuffed and you think it's a good idea to put your knee on his neck, regardless if you're actually suffocating him or not, how do you know you're not? How do you, what is the purpose? What is, why is it necessary to put your, your knee on his neck? Why? He's handcuffed. He's laying on the ground. And he's clearly high on fentanyl. High on drugs at the time we didn't know it was fentanyl. He did say, and this is from the camera, this is from the, uh, the cop's camera, I can't breathe and he was standing straight up. So, I would agree with an autopsy report that said he did not die of asphyxiation, suffocation, but he died of a drug overdose and of a heart attack. But the problem is, have you, have you ever laid on your chest and put your hands between you and the ground and just laid there. When you get up, your chest hurts, right? So I'm saying that he could have, at minimum, contributed to this man's death. He's not solely responsible, but it was absolutely unnecessary for this man to be kneeling on this other man's neck. Absolutely unnecessary. Now let me give you a perspective from the other side. I read a news story today. Um, a crime was committed. It was a drug bust in Port St. Lucie, and there was a gun involved, and shots were fired, and a report was filed, and police came out and made arrest of two individuals. Those individuals are alive. They did not get extremely injured. They were successfully apprehended, arrested, and uh, charges are pending. Right? They survived the encounter with these cops while the cops knew that they were armed. So not every confrontation between cops and, in this case, criminals, ends up being a fatality. You're just seeing the ones that the media wants you to, to perch on, to be so focused on, to be you know, that cone to be like, nothing outside of this cone. How many, so one more, one more point I want to make in the, in the defense of the actions taken by cops and whatnot. There's a statistic that came out that says that in 2019, uh, a certain amount of people died from cop shootings. They all happened to be, or a percentage of them were people of color. And nationally, this number was extremely low. And the, the statistic, all I want to attribute to that, all I want to say in commentary to that is, yes, there are people of color who are being attacked by, who are being victims of excessive use of force by law enforcement, and they did not deserve to die. Just because a man is high on drugs does not mean he has the you you have the right to take his life. Now, the defense of it is, well, if he's resisting arrest and he is pardon me, I apologize for that. 
if he's resisting arrest and he's causing problems for the cop and he's uh, threatening harm on the on the cop and the cop is trying to do his job and and this man needs to be apprehended and whatnot and and this uh, this resistance ensues and the cop is forced to draw. Those cases are legitimate, and we have to look at them almost by a case-by-case basis and say, yes, a percentage of people were killed by cops, but what percentage of that percentage was authentic and which ones weren't? The ones that weren't, yes, let's highlight them. Let's talk about them. Let's change the structure. I'm open, and I accept, and I believe in police reform because I have seen police brutality across the board on every individual regardless of color. I've seen it and there was a high trend among cops uh, to be uh, to harass people exercising either their their um, their freedom of speech or their right to protest or whatever and the cops would uh, become a problem. They would harass these citizens. Uh, and this is caught on video. It was done so many times, and it was kind of this movement of like stand up for your rights, you know, defend yourself. Uh, but how many of those confrontations were between white cops and white individuals who didn't get arrested? Number one, they didn't get arrested. Number two, they uh, if they did get arrested, you know, maybe the charges were dropped or whatever. And then the other thing is, is they didn't get killed, right? They they were not murdered. But then how many interactions compared to, like, you know, what is it? One out of five? Is it zero out of five? Like, how many interactions do we have between white cops and white people that end up, you know, resolving itself or just, you know, you know, it happened but no one was hurt versus cops using excessive force on people of color? And I will give you one more piece of thought. This is what I want to get at. We have cops out there who are bullies. They're bullies, okay? They were bullies when they were kids. They were bullies when they were in school. They love authority. They love power. They love subjugation. They treat others disrespectfully. They have a hero complex. They have a superiority complex. They're jerks, okay? And these are usually, like, have them take a personality test. Have them you know, have witnesses come on the stand and uh, testify about their character. Were they good? Were they, did they have good character? A lot of these cops don't. Like, you can just see the way the cop is treating the person in the video. They're treating them like crap. Now, I'll be, I'll be honest, to an extent, I didn't really see that with Floyd. Uh, the cops said, we'll roll down the window, whatever. And it's really hard to handle an unruly person who you're trying to arrest. And, you know, I was saying earlier that it's kind of the job of the police to attain the identity, you know, the to determine if the person is guilty. But really, honestly, to an extent, it's not actually. Like, they let the person and the lawyers and the attorneys sort that out. Uh, if the cop deems you guilty, you get arrested. And the cop doesn't have to necessarily answer for that. Like, I guess they do if they make an arrest that's absolutely unequivocally, like, whatever. But if their defense in the moment holds up, and yeah, it turned out to not be true in the moment, right? So when the person I know got arrested, the cop didn't decide, oh, this person's not guilty. Uh, I'm not going to arrest them. 
the cop either, I don't know what the cop believed, but the institution that um, the person had committed the crime against was pressing charges. So if you get charges pressed against you, you could be completely innocent, but because that has been, that action has been taken, you are now guilty until proven innocent. And guilty in the sense that you're being arrested, you're being detained, you're being taken to jail until you can prove your innocence. That is guilty until proven innocent. That is not innocent until proven guilty. Because if you were innocent until proven guilty, they would be like, hey, uh, come to this court hearing and we'll assess the situation and see if you're guilty there and then send you to prison or send you to jail. Right? No, they they... The person pressed charges on you. You have a witness speaking against you. The cop makes a decision. They arrest you because the person's pressing charges. And maybe they maybe they have video evidence. In this case, there was video evidence. So it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. But the institution was pressing charges, and that's what made the cop have to act. That's what made the officer have to make the arrest, is they the, the institution would not allow the person to right the wrong and 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 their defense that they the defense that they gave wasn't good enough for the institution so after charges were um, submitted the cop took him away and put him in jail and so that person had to fight to prove themselves innocent in a court of law they literally were yeah, I'm not going to harp on that. And and I didn't even realize that going into this, but realistically, when you get arrested, you're considered guilty until charges can be proven otherwise, right? And sometimes people, t- most of the time, people take a plea deal. So, like, they plead guilty, but with a reduced sentence or, you know, hey, I maybe I did this, maybe I didn't, but, hey, if I do this, will you let me go or will you take it off my record, whatever, uh, but this person stood their ground and they're like, I'm innocent and it's your job to prove that or I'm, I, you know, I'm either going to go to jail for this, you know, I'm either going to end up being guilty, like someone's going to have to determine that I'm guilty uh, or you're going to prove that I'm innocent and that's what ended up happening. But I think there is a disparity between the racial attacks. yes. There have been cases of violence on from cops to white people. But the question and the belief is, the belief is that there's a higher number, and then the issue becomes, do, do, uh, do white lives matter more? Do black lives not matter? And hence the slogan. And don't even get me started on the slogan because I don't have the time. It's 3.13 and I'm going to stop there. I think what I want you to take away from this is don't let your differences divide you. Don't let your prejudices hurt others. And don't let your dominant culture privilege hinder you from including the co-culture, subcultured people who are different from you. Love people as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself, and love God. Among these, there is no greater commandment. That's what we need to do. We need to love people as ourselves. 
Do we want to be stereotyped? Do we want to be preju- have prejudice against us? Do we want to be prejudged? Do we want to be uh, automatically assumed guilty until proven innocent? Do we want to have to prove our guilt, our innocence? Do we want to bend over backwards to prove ourselves to someone else? Do we want to live under the burden of I'm being judged by my skin color because someone else acted a certain way? Take it by a case-by-case basis, really. And don't judge the outside. Some people like to wear really bright colored clothes. That doesn't make them a bad person. Some people like to drive really weird-looking cars, different paint jobs, different styles. It doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them a criminal. And when a person is high or has drugs in their system, that doesn't give you the right to kill them. If they're causing you harm or potentially going to cause you harm and you're fear for your life, go do what is necessary to stop them. But just because they're on drugs does not mean that that's a defense for the actions of the cops. And that's what I've seen. I've seen people go, oh, and this is, this is literally, it's start and stop. They literally say, oh, he was on drugs. Well, if I follow that statement through to conclusion because you stopped in the middle of your sentence, because that doesn't seem like a full thought, if I were to follow that through to conclusion, you're basically saying, oh, he was high on drugs, he deserved it, and he died. Or he was high on drugs, that makes him a criminal, he deserves to die. No. Since when does someone being on drugs make them deserve the death penalty? I thought the death penalty was reserved for murder and, you know, uh, maybe I don't even know what other things that the uh, death penalty is dished out for other than murder. Okay? So think about it. Treat people with respect, care, and love for them. Treat them as you would be treated. Uh, Try not to judge. Try not to prejudge. And uh, take it by case, case by case. Don't judge them by the outside appearance because that's what man does. We want to be, we want to imitate God. And God looks at the heart. And give people a second chance. Love them first because that's what grace is. God loved you first. And we, that's why we love others when they don't deserve it because grace is my unmerited favor. This has been Christ Media Revival. I am your host, Robert White. Thank you for listening to this edition. Please tune in and listen again to uh, all my other episodes available on this podcast and all the episodes coming up. Thank you. Have a great day. See you in the next one.